the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. It was a fun couple of days. Just kidding. And it's unbelievable when that volatility kicks back in. Boy, it just uh, has a tendency to run up and down extremely quickly. Look at the... Look at the three-day chart on the uh, Dow Jones and the S&P and the NASDAQ. It's pretty mind-boggling. And, uh, but you know, that's kind of to be expected when you've seen a market come back as much as this one has over such a short time period. And it doesn't really surprise me at all, you know, especially anymore. But, uh, and it never really has the... Uh, there's a little exercise you can do if you want to try to help yourself as an investor. Just take a little journal out, write down what you think should happen over the next day, next week, next month, and then keep track of that. When you see how poorly you're doing, you'll give that up. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> some people, you know, you know, some people, <laughs> doesn't matter. So, but if you're looking at, the predictability of markets over fairly short time periods, it is, it's almost impossible. Stuff that used to work stopped working when ETFs started taking in more money than actively managed funds. Why is that? Well, ETFs are actually run by computers and computers don't really care. They just have algorithms or little mathematical formulas that they use to buy and sell and that, that's the way they do it. So, um, but I look around, I look at the, the long-term view is actually very positive for the stock market. It's very negative for the bond market. So we'll talk a little bit about that in today's program. And I'm going to be talking about that probably for the foreseeable future. And why do I say that? Well, bonds right now are paying so little. I mean, it's unbelievable. You get a uh, if you can find a you know one and a half percent CD, it's generally going to be a teaser rate to get you in for six months, and then they're going to drop it to next to nothing. I was looking at a little account that that I'd forgotten about. I opened this up. I was going to do something with it in uh, 2015, and I put fifteen hundred dollars in it. That was it. You know, it was just try to establish an account. I was going to do a, a little um, side hustle with it. Uh, one of my kids, you know, we're going to do something and I just forgot about it. And uh, <laughs> I've been getting these statements all these years for the past five years. I go to look at the statement. It's got $1,542 in it after five years, <laughs> 42 bucks. <laughs> that that's unbelievable. So anyway, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You know, rates are really low, really low. I've never imagined that you'd see a 30-year treasury bond paying 1.47%. Not in America, (laughs) but 
the one year, this is unbelievable. Point one three, a treasury bill is you got to hang on to for a year. Point one three, that is killing me. And that's one of the reasons that you've heard me talk about the fixed indexed annuities. I I just read an article in the Wall Street Journal again yesterday, and this guy left out that word fixed when he was talking about any. He was just referring to equity indexed annuities. Those are two different things. That's like comparing a, um, I don't know, a kite with an airplane. They both fly, right? Not the same. <laughs> Definitely not the same. Or how about this? How about a uh, one of those um, gliders? The big hanging glider. It's comparing that to an airplane. Now, if you want to get, they're both planes. You know, you can fly with both of them. I wouldn't recommend the hang glider to go to California. I just wouldn't do that. <laughs> That's going to end up bad. <laughs> but you know, if you want to go to California, you get in the big plane. You want to have fun, take your life in your own hands, and uh, you know, <laughs> go with the glider, hang glider. But uh, they're they're both flying vehicles, and. I know that sounds silly and people probably think I'm just being facetious and I'm not because there's an unbelievably large difference between those two. And I really like this development. This, this I think is a positive development. And there were years, you know, the, I still don't like the equity index annuities. I'm not a big fan. I'm not. I look, I know what the costs are. I know that the chance of making a lot of money in some of those products is very small. So, and they'd say, oh yeah, but they're safe. Well, you know, so is a 1.4% 30-year treasury if you're going to hang on to it for 30 years. Yeah, that's safe. And you probably make about the same amount of money over that time period. So why would you do that? You know, the, uh, you may make a little bit more than that. And, and incidentally, the products that were introduced five or even 10 or well, especially 10 and 15 years ago are not the same ones that are being introduced today. In fact, there's a, and there's a lot of them that are, it's just unbelievable. So anyway, I try to go with the things that are simpler, that are more clear. You know, when I say more clear, it's like, okay, you get uh, an inch of mud on your windshield and we're going to take it all the way down where you've just got some streaks. <laughs> because you can't get rid of all of it. It just, there, there's just no way to do that. And that's why it's important. You know, when you're talking to somebody, you, you probably want to use an advisor with this. This is, these are tough. And I'm not recommending that you run out and put all of your money in the, these things either. I would never recommend anybody do that with anything. The percentages are different depending on uh, what your situation is, what you're looking to do. Now you've got to, Literally, you have to think a little bit and hopefully you get some pretty good guidance and you have somebody that is a fiduciary who will ask you questions. What are you trying to accomplish? What would you like to do? And then lay out options. Here are some ways it'll get you there. And when I'm looking at fixed income, when I'm looking at bonds and bond funds, I'm looking at short-term maturities because the short-term maturities are paying about the same as the longer-term maturities. And you're not going to make much more than 1%, if that, on a high-quality bond fund. You can find junk bond funds 
uh, high yield bond funds, and they're they're not all bad. Okay, they fluctuate about as much as stocks do, and you might get a four to five percent income rate off that. So to have the same type of risk you're going to have in stocks, and you're only going to get maybe four or five percent, and you could end up having a negative five or ten year return when interest rates, if interest rates start to go up at any point in time over the next ten years. I don't know. I'm not really that interested in that, quite frankly. And that's why the, uh, so I think you've got a few choices here when it comes to fixed income. You could either say, well, I'm willing to take the super low interest rate. That's your first option. I just want the money safe. So I'm willing to accept a really low interest rate. That's fine. Absolutely fine. As long as you know. Second thing you could do is say, well, you know, since this is, part of my forever money. And that's the other thing. If this is part of money that you're saving for something for the next five years, you think you're going to be purchasing a new car, a new house, and you're setting this money aside, or you're going to pay for a kid or a grandchild's college education. Don't put that money into long-term investments, investments that should be held for more than five years because it could go really bad for you. (laughs) Just take my advice. So Anyway, again, it comes back down to what are you doing with that money? If this is a, a part of your retirement savings that you imp- you intend to convert into income one day to supplement your Social Security or, or whatever other income you have in retirement, okay, that's a different story. That's different completely. That's where the nationwide product I've been talking about for the past few uh, weeks is I think a, a viable, very good option. It's a viable, very good option. And this product is not that uh, it's not that old, actually. They've got tons, and there are literally thousands of these things. And now they're coming out with a, a variable with um, variable product. That means it's got mutual funds in it. You can invest in the mutual funds. And it's got what they, uh, oh, I forget what they called it, it, portfolio insurance on it. It puts a floor in as to how much you can lose. and But it also, there's a, there's a cost to that. There's a cap on how much you can make. Not a big fan. I can tell you that. Because I can do that without using an annuity to do that. I can absolutely do that. It's called a collar. You know, I passed the options principles exam. One in a thousand people in my career ever decided to sit for that exam. Because it's not easy. <laughs> You could do that. You could do that yourself, and you'd save yourself some money if you were doing that. Now, I'll get into how that works later, but I'm telling you, most people don't want to do it when they look at the cost of doing it. And I agree. I did all that studying, took that test, came back, started looking at the actual pricing on the products, and was like, wow, <laughs> this is not even a good idea. <laughs> Talk about wasting. No, I didn't waste time. I, I, the knowledge was great. It was good to be able to pick that stuff up. But the, it was a very long run for an extremely short slide. Okay, let me put it that way. It wasn't a waste, but it was a lot of effort for a fairly small amount of benefit. So I can tell you, when normally when you're hedging a portfolio, it's pretty expensive. It's extremely expensive, actually. That's why I was not a big fan of the uh, equity indexed annuities. The fixed indexed annuities. See, there's a key word there. 
it's the word fixed. It makes that completely different. It's like blue and green are both colors. Yes, they are, but they look a lot different. (laughs) Well, not to me because I'm colorblind, but to most people, (laughs) most people, let's see, what, what would be two opposite colors? How about black and white? Yeah, that would be good. So are those colors? (laughs) Black and white are different. Are they both colors? Yeah, they're both colors. By the way, there are thousands, if not millions of shades between those two colors. That's what the annuity market is like. It is a bear. I can't believe how much stuff I have to read on that these days because somebody comes, you know, a client calls and says, hey, can you take a look at this? And I promised all my clients, (laughs) yes, I can take a look at that thing if you'd like me to. Now, normally, it'll take, oh, anywhere from 25 to 30 minutes. Sometimes out of the norm, I'm there for several hours. And I don't really complain. And I'll tell you why. Because it has helped me over the past 32 years in doing that. My learning has, has expanded tremendously from having done that. So I really, that that's one of the, the benefits of, of being a client of Bullington Capital Manager. That's what it is. I'll look into these things and I'll tell you what I find. And then I let you decide that that's basically how we work. We take a look at, we, I listen, what are you trying to do? What is it that you're trying to do? When I hear what you're trying to do, I'll lay out several options and say, okay, any of these should help you reach your goals, assuming those goals are reachable. I was just reading in the, uh, well, I think it was the Wall Street Journal today. Uh, the journal's not responsible for this. The reporter that, that wrote this article, he's responsible. He was talking about how the long-term returns on stocks, are, oh no, on a balanced fund, were over 9% a year. Are you kidding? Yeah, they were, if you go back to 1926. If you look at over the last five years, the average balance fund is under five. Think about that for a second. Yeah, so the context, that's another thing. It's, it's a, uh, it is tough. I would hate to be an individual investor today. The amount of time, effort, and energy that you're going to put in, I'm very familiar with that. That's why I'm always tired. <laughs> the... Uh, there was another big magazine, financial publication, and people bring out it's showing a 40-year return on these funds who are stocks, bonds, and cash. I'm going, hey, 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 bonds were paying 6%, you morons. Now, I'm allowed to call them morons because they're highly educated, and they're supposed to know better than to write stuff like that. Evidently, they need to go back and ask for a refund from Harvard for their MBA because they didn't learn anything when they were there. <laughs> not just Harvard, by the way. Actually, not even Harvard. I don't. I don't think I've ever read anybody from from Harvard. A lot of other schools, very prominent, prominent schools, and they just, you know, they memorized all the answers and they didn't really understand them. That's a problem. So they're looking at and they're publishing this nationwide, and they're setting expectations that, yeah, oh yeah, getting a nine, ten percent, eight, eight percent return, not a problem. Really? That is a problem. Unless you're going to be mostly stock, which is one of the things I was going to touch on a little earlier, so I might as well 
circle back around. Actually, I think I'll probably wait for that because I got about 60 seconds here or so before I have to take a commercial break. And I'm going to come back around and and talk about, okay, you you don't like short-term bonds because they're not paying anything. Maybe you've looked at a uh, fixed index annuity. We'll talk a little bit more about what that is later. But what is the other option? What is the third option that you could choose, the three most obvious options that you can choose from to try to keep up returns that might be above 5% a year? By the way, the only indexes that are above 5% a year for the past five years are heavily laden with technology stocks. Sound familiar? Remember the late 90s? I don't know if you're that old. I am. (laughs) I remember the late 90s. And actually, I got very good at momentum investing during that time period, so I really benefited from it. We may not be that lucky this time around, but there are solutions. So if you stay tuned, my name is Bill Bullington. I'll tell you what they are as soon as we come back from these commercial messages. You're listening to WHK. So I can be healed Cause I'm so callous Now I can't feel I wanna run Hey, feel free to call us today, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. If there's something you hear here, uh, here, here. <laughs> if there's something you hear on this show that you'd like more information on, uh, feel free to go to my website. It's bullingtoncapital.com. I'd be glad to send that to you. Um, we got a uh, lot of calls in on the nationwide product, and I'm going to get to that, back to that in just a little bit. Um, I was, uh, Actually, I'm having a senior moment. I forgot what I was going to come back to talk to about. <laughs> oh, that happens quite often. Uh, so actually, I think it's just with all the stuff that's gone on today, you know, it's, it's unbelievable how upset a lot of people are. I feel bad because I'm telling you right now, the net result of this entire pandemic, okay, the net result of this emergency is going to be change that actually causes the economy to grow. The economy will grow from this. Take a look. You look at the Wall Street Journal and you look at a lot of the articles that are coming out there. They're having a, um, a lot of companies are having a field day. And I know a lot of companies have been hit hard. Anything related to retail. If you have to go in someplace to get something, whether it's get your tires changed, you want to go to a restaurant, you got to get your hair cut. Yeah, those businesses are hurting horribly. And my heart goes out to all of them because I know that is incredibly rough. They've had it incredibly hard during these time periods. There are some industries that have actually benefited from this. There are industries that are going to continue to benefit as the money continues to flow as the technology develops And these technologies become more and more commonplace. Like telepsychiatry. That's kind of interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people didn't really think about that. But it's getting on your big screen TV now. I don't know if you realize it or not, but a lot of your televisions, you can um, get, I can take my laptop and use Chromecast and I can talk to somebody 
on my either my computer, my laptop, uh, or my television. And that's kind of interesting. So you're going to have a lot, a lot of doctor's voices, uh, voices, a lot of doctor's appointments that way. I don't think that's going back. I think you're going to have more people that are going to continue to work from home. But the equipment that they're going to need is going to be a slight upgrade to what they have right now. Do you know how many, do you know how many computers that is across the country? I mean, that, that's astronomical. To, to get to a more secure, fast computer that you can work, one, one like the one that I have in front of me here, the one I bring with me to the radio station, that was $3,600, by the way, the, uh, for a laptop. The, uh, why? Because it's got a really high-end security uh, system on it. And it's got a lot of RAM and it's got a lot of stuff that if you're working from home, this is what you're going to want. Okay, so it, it's not the cheaper computer. You can use the cheaper computers too for a lot of stuff. But more often than not, you're working for a business, you're going to have to have the more high-powered computers, which means that they have to sell more software. I mean, it, it's, it's amazing. I'm looking at what's happening in the climate change environment and what kind of impact does that have on the economy in the long run. And it's huge. It's huge. I just uh, made some mental notes on that as I was driving in and was listening to NPR this morning. Anyway, I've got to take a real quick phone call. And if you want to call me, 216-901-0945. And I'm going to go right to Bob. Bob, got a question or comment? Yeah, uh, Bill, I've got a a question, if you don't mind waxing a little philosophical today. (laughs) I was uh, reading uh, the article that you posted uh, uh, titled uh, Warren Buffett's $300,000 Haircut. Just to let you know that some people read the things that you post. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, and and as I read it, I think maybe you can clarify if I'm wrong. But the article essentially was espousing the idea of compound interest, and you know, along with your philosophy that our young people, by the time they learn how to work with fractions and percentages, ought to be thinking about things like that. And so. Um, and to some extent, I, I, unless, again, I'm wrong, it, it sort of suggests the, the idea that uh, uh, holding stocks for a long time. But yes. what, what I'm, my question is, how, I'm wondering how you think about that uh, in contrast to, uh, in 2001, Warren Buffett came up with this um, a metric uh, where he measured the market cap to GDP ratio. Mm-hmm. and uh, asserted that essentially when the ratio is less than 75%, he argued that the market was, was undervalued. When it was over 115%, he believed it was significantly overvalued. Uh, in 1929, it hit 141%. In 2000, it hit 151%. And today, the ratio sits at 156 And <clears throat> from what I read, uh, Warren Buffett... Uh, uh, essentially is, is sitting on the highest uh, uh, pile of cash in history because well, he doesn't like the price of anything. So that, that's, you know, how how do you think about all that? Well, actually, the last I'll start with the last part first. The reason that he's sitting on so much cash right now is because he, you know, Workshire Hathaway generates, I, I can't remember the exact number, but last time I, I stopped tracking it a few years ago, it was when he generated $15 billion net after tax profits, okay? 
15 billion with a B. There aren't that many companies around. I mean, he could buy a, an unbelievable number of small mid-cap stocks, just take them private, you know, completely. So that's, and he talked about that too. It's, he's a, a victim of his own success. He's generating so much cash that he can't find places to put it. <laughs> I would okay. love to have that problem. That'd be awesome. The, uh, uh, but a lot of the, and the, the ratios like GDP to um, market cap, today's markets are significantly different than they were. So using that, I think you got to use it in the context of, okay, what else has changed in the market? The net after tax profit margins are substantially higher t- today and then they have been for the past 10 years than they were in the prior 100. So it doesn't take quite as much capital to make as much money. Most of it's because you've got companies like Microsoft who doesn't even bother packaging their software in a disk anymore. You just go online and download it. They're basically selling $300 emails. Right. <laughs> that is highly profitable. <laughs> a lot more than making a car or a train. Right. Uh, and that that's a uh, so that part has really changed. It's changed the dynamics on the market overall. And uh, uh, so if you so look say, uh, say that again in, in in maybe a different different way. <clears throat> well, the company's profit margins are higher than they used to be. Okay. And if you look at the difference in market cap the versus the GDP and new profit margins versus old profit margins, they're pretty similar. So the, the increase in profit margin has about kept up with the increase in market cap versus GDP, which it should. And it, because if it's not keeping up, then you got a real problem. That's a real problem. Okay. But if the companies are more profitable, you know, I mean, Amazon, uh, great profit margin. Look at, Apple's profit margins, um, companies like Microsoft, companies who don't actually create products but are provide services to the IT industry. You know, profit margins on a lot of those businesses are, are very large because they have specialized knowledge, specialized people, they've got specialized equipment. The uh, and we've been hearing the a lot of economists have been ringing the bell for years now on productivity. Well, productivity cannot get any higher. And I want to just say to these professors, have you ever heard of artificial intelligence? <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it's going to, it's getting better. <laughs> that's prob- it, yeah. probably why Buffett has, uh, I believe, about 24% of his holdings in Apple. Well, that was uh, one of his portfolio managers uh, that, that made that call, by the way, because uh, he doesn't keep up with technology, actually. <laughs> but the uh, he's also... Uh, I think the Mid-American Energy is the single largest um, solar panel uh, farm in the country, in the world. And they do more with um, with wind as well. So a lot of the investments that he's gotten into, because, you know, 20 years ago, he stayed away from tech completely. So did Peter Lynch, by the way. Right, he, right, yeah. And uh, uh, so things over time, things change. And by the way, it is unbelievably difficult to try to keep up with that change and and try to make adjustments along the way. That's that's one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of what I call rules-based investing. And Warren Buffett's got rules. Uh, he does. Uh, but he's, his rule book is probably about 
you know, probably a lot thicker than most of the prospectuses that you get on a fund. And yeah. that's okay because he can in, in, interpret things. He's going to go and look at, at certain things, financial statements, and apply some logic to it. And that's great when nobody's looking over your shoulder. But during that 10-year period where he had negative returns and was down 50%, the reason he got away with that and didn't lose his job is because he owned the joint. <laughs> if, if he were a mutual fund manager, there's a pretty good chance that he was gone because they were firing people left and right. And uh, uh, so, you know, there's always an element of luck to everybody's story. And the thing I like about Warren Buffett, too, is he points that out a lot. He points it out. He came along at a right t- at a good time. The, the tax legislation was actually very beneficial for him when he was doing what he was doing. And, and, and he admits it. He doesn't try to take credit for things that he didn't have anything to do with <laughs> other yeah, than being yeah. the recipient of that. So I, I really like yeah. that about him. Um, Peter Lynch, too. These guys are just so humble, you know, and <laughs> they could be, they, they're the ones that should be acting like Trump, <laughs> but they the, can afford to be humble. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. The, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, you know, not, not a whole lot has, has really changed a lot. What, um, the profitability of a publicly traded company today is, is way higher than the long-term averages. So you would, they would deserve a higher valuation if you're making more money per dollar of sales. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, actually, okay. stocks are right where they should be <laughs> right about now, which means they're probably going to go down 20% because I said that. <laughs> well, they're likely, if, if, the, uh, if the Fed does anything like it's always done, they're sure to go up. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that that is the amazing thing because they've actually done a lot of stuff that they've never done this over the past 18 months. It's it's unbelievable to me. I I would have but, never believed that they would actually have the guts to do what they did. And yeah, but when you look over over history uh of their behaviors that Yeah, they, this they, is it's new. It's almost like they can't they can't do anything but that. They can't do anything but put more cash into the into the system um they well they could if they were woodrow wilson you know they they could cause the depression to deepen and become more severe that's right yeah so uh, let's not give them that idea (laughs) (laughs) okay thanks phil i appreciate it have a good weekend (laughs) Um, yeah i'm a big fan of uh this fed uh you want to talk you know who the most powerful man in the world is his name is Jerome Powell, and he's the head of the Fed. Think about that for a second. This guy controls the banking system of the world's largest economy. Who could possibly be more powerful than him? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it's not the military power. I'm talking about monetary power, and that's actually better than military power in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways. And Mr. Powell is the one that was talking about interest rates staying low for the foreseeable future. And I get it. You know, we've got the the issues are large. They're huge, but they're overcomable. Is that a word? (laughs) How about this? We can overcome these issues and we will overcome these issues. I don't have any doubt. And the the effect of this long-term on the economy 
is growth. It's growth because you've spawned new industries. You've pushed companies to roll out newer developments faster than they had planned. So it's going to be, the, the net effect of this whole thing is going to be growth. Uh, you don't have a, and I, I remember what I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about the third option to what I see going forward with portfolios if you want to earn decent returns on your money. The uh, first option, again, was just do what you're doing, run a balanced account, understand you've got 30 or 40, maybe 50% of your money in bonds. You are not going to make any money on that. The money you make on that's going to be next to nothing. If you try, you're, you're probably going to get stung. Believe me, I've been there. If you try to increase the returns over the 1% returns you can get from a high-quality corporate bond fund, you're probably going to get stung. Okay, so I'm going to leave that alone right now. And just, just remember, when you got 40% of your money or 35% of your money at 1%, that adds 03 5% to your total. This is where they've got to start teaching uh, 12, I'm sorry, 12 year olds, like how to apply the percentages. I think they should relate it all to money. Let me tell you something. When I was 12, I had a paper out. I understood percentages. <laughs> I understood getting a tip. If you were able to slide somebody's paper under their door in the apartment that they lived in, so it didn't get stolen or stepped on. <laughs> Uh, anyway, percentages are, are key. You've got a third or more of your money. You've got 20% of your money. You're going to do 20% lower than somebody who's got a diversified stock portfolio. That's the bottom line. Wow, I can't believe I've got to take another commercial break. That went fast. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. I think you can find this on the, the this show on the Fishes podcast. You can also go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com, if you have a question and like to reach out, you'd like me to, to call back and answer that, no problem. If you'd like to come into the office, we are open. Most of my building is not, <laughs> but we're there. And we've got plenty of space, and we have hand sanitizer and masks for anybody that wants to come in. Uh, if you want a free, no obligation, get acquainted meeting, not a problem. You hear something you like, you just want to hang out and talk. And I, and I am in the process, by the way, of trying to find a space for a an investment club. You guys know who you are. <laughs> and this week, I'm going to go out and, and see a space. So that should be pretty interesting. Um, I, I would actually pay someone else to do what I do for a living, actually. <laughs> A large part of it is really fun, and it's a uh, can be very re- rewarding. Is it difficult? Oh yeah. <laughs> part of what I like about the uh, um, the challenge, you know, because it is challenging. I like the challenging part of the challenge. So uh, I think Donald Trump may try to steal that line. <laughs> Just kidding. 
But uh, anyway, I'm just looking at it. One of the scans from the Bullington, uh, from uh, the Lookout for the Bull. Wow. I mean, I'm looking at yesterday. You would think that we were in the middle of a bull market, not a three-day decline that was over 5%. <laughs> it's unbelievable how many stocks in the last half of Friday came zipping back. It was un- unbelievable. One of the scans that I'm looking at, it, it's got 62 names on it. I mean, 60, that's typically what happens in a big bull market. Not a market that's just gotten slammed three days in a row. So I guess that's one of the reasons that I feel a little bit perkier today. I was watching those scans and going, wow, this is, uh, that's pretty interesting. It's pretty amazing. So the uh, valuations on stocks, not bad. Not bad given the um, price to sales ratios, by the way. That's a much better tool. And the very first time I'm able to do another seminar, now we've been trying, uh, eventually we will. I'm going to show that price to sales ratio rule. Uh, maybe I'll have Mike Seeger. He's the guy that runs the Lookout for the Bull website. He talks about it a lot on his daily um, posts. But, th- but that's a pretty good uh, benchmark if you know how to use it for determining how overvalued or undervalued a stock might potentially be. And maybe on the, in uh, future shows, we'll actually, yeah, I will. I, I'll tell you what, future shows, the last 15 minutes of the day, I'll start to go through some of that stuff. I'm going to write some of the uh, columns on it. It is relatively simple. I mean, it actually, it's very simple. In fact, I'll give you an example. Uh, Apple comes up. Let's see where Apple is. Oh, it didn't come up on a one-month scan. It came up on the three-month scan. Huh, that's pretty cool. So uh, we have different time periods that we look at. So I have to go to a different spot. You know, it figures that would happen. (laughs) I think Apple's price to sales ratio is not super cheap. Is it a great company? It sure is. I mean, talk about profits. Holy cow. Those guys deliver an enormous amount of profits or have delivered for quite a while now. And you can't always guarantee that. I remember when Apple, when everybody thought Apple was going away they literally thought Apple was going to go bankrupt. Apple sold for less than the amount of cash they had in their checking account after you subtracted all their debt. Okay? So you were able to buy Apple on a per share basis for less than the amount of cash they had in their checking account. (laughs) That was a long time ago, but it's actually happened more than once. So anyway, I'm going to try to pull this up really quickly. Yep, here we go. So Apple's revenue trailing 12 months was $273 billion. That's billion with a B. The market value of the stock is a little over $2 trillion. The price to sales ratio is 7.8. That means $2 billion is 7.8 times $273 billion. I'm sorry, $2 trillion is 7.8 times $273 billion. Now, I'll actually go through that in more detail next week because I, don't, I will not have time to finish that if I start that uh, conversation. <laughs> Somebody's calling. i got to take the phone call right now. Anyway, hey, Brian, is this uh, the Brian I think it is? Yeah. Hey, Bill. How's hey. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, thanks. I had a quick question on the scans. Yep. Or on the, you know, the report that... We get in the email sure. on the lookout for the bull site. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes, like a couple of days ago, 
I've noticed this a little bit. Sometimes the stocks are not up on that day. Is that That's because the, yes, it is. the Well, and that's a flaw in the software. They just upgraded that software. Okay. And and I know how to make the adjustments to that. And and Mike brought that up to me too, the guy that's running it. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to make adjustments to it because they just, they rolled out a new version of it and it has to be fixed. So, I got you. I just didn't know if you were aware and or if yeah. I was missing something. I thought, well, shoot, maybe if the stock opens ten percent down and then it closes two percent down, maybe that would be still worthy. Oh, uh, you know, so yeah, I'll it, it actually it, it actually would because if you had a uh, a day, we measure where it closes in relation to the That's high and the low. momentum. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I've seen a ton of companies do that where they would gap down. The stock would go way down and then would revert, reverse and erase most of that day's losses. And that was actually the start of a new trend. I've seen that happen. I sure. can't tell you how many times. So, okay. yeah. Yep. Well, good deal. I just want to make sure it wasn't, I wasn't missing something or whatever. So it was more like a glitch. Okay, cool. Yeah. And by the way, the fact Thanks that so they're, uh, the, the fact that they're in the top 10% of all stocks for performance over a short time period, that's that part they don't get wrong typically. I haven't seen them get that wrong for a really long time. So. Oh, okay. Awesome. Thanks, right. Bill. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good day. And if you want to call in, actually, I would probably say just call me in the office, 330-664-0700, or go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com. I'll be glad to reach back out to you to talk about all these things. Most of the stuff that we do, by the way, is pretty conservative. Uh, the vast majority of stuff is conservative. I, the stock portfolios I use for the vast majority of people, I call it my Department of Labor model because it was developed back when they first brought those rules out about six years ago. It was to comply with the rules that the government had put out for fiduciaries. And I like it. And I've got the vast majority of my stock money in there. But I have healthcare and semiconductor models that are in there as well. Uh, more aggressive, more concentrated. The stocks that are in those portfolios are also in the more broadly diversified portfolios, but they're just more concentrated into those. So if you'd like to see a report on that, uh, what that model looks like, that healthcare semiconductor, and uh, that's actually what we call them in our code in in the uh, office when we elect to invest somebody's money that way, we call it the HSDOL model, (laughs) healthcare semiconductors in the Department of Labor. Isn't that crazy? You have to create acronyms because the government says you better be, you better be investing your money this way or we're going to come and take your practice away. The uh, that yeah, that's unbelievable. But uh, but I get it though. They're they're trying to do the best thing for the general public. That's fine. We can deal with it. Uh, to get outside of those rules, you just have to write it down. You just have to write it down and keep it in your file. That way, uh, auditors come in and you know everything's fine. By the way. I didn't get to the whole topics. What I was, what the three things I wanted to talk about was the first one was you can buy the one percent bonds, keep thirty or forty percent of your money in there. No, that's going to be a drag on the portfolio. Um, the uh, the second option should be kind of obvious. You just increase the amount of stock you have, but you better buckle up when you do that because stocks. You, well, you saw how volatile they are. They can be in just a few days. That's four or five percent in two days. Yeah, actually, four or five percent in a day is not uncommon anymore. But the uh, so when you're increasing the stock percentage of your portfolio, you can't do that without increasing the risk. Okay, so you gotta you have to understand that, and you gotta be good with that. Okay. The third option 
is one I've been using lately is because they've come out with this new product. It's a fixed indexed annuity. The word fixed has got to come first. If the word equity comes first, I'm not a big fan. Not a big fan of that. The uh, variable, those are mutual funds that are inside of annuity. Some of those are okay. You got to look really closely, find out what the expense ratios are because some of them charge four, you know, 4% a year. That's hard. <laughs> That's really hard to make money with. So the, uh, uh, you just have to be careful. And if you, want a, if you want to talk about it, feel free to give us a call. Drop me an email, no problem. That's actually what I do most of the day now. I, I return emails. I have conference calls on the phone. Uh, and then I have one or two meetings uh, in the office during the day. Uh, I can't believe how much stuff I'm doing over the phone, though. That is mind-boggling. Uh, it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff that I, I wouldn't have thought that I would be doing. But, you know, given all the situation, that, that's why I was saying, you know, if I'm doing this and I bought a I bought a super high security, super laptop, you know, to, to do that with the uh, and that's great because I know I'm and, and I was just thinking to myself, you know, if I'm doing this, how many how many of these big firms are doing this? And I know that the vendors that we deal with, you know. Fidelity, E-Trade, they all have people working from home right now. They all do. And things have slowed down a little bit, but not nearly as much as I thought they would. I thought that they would really drag. It's been slower, and it's been a little, like, significantly slower. But not nearly as slow as I had anticipated. I really thought it was going to be a lot worse than that. So I'm pleasantly pleased by that. Now, I was working on some material that I, I'll probably run on next week's show. It's the results of what we can do about climate change. There are some things that are probably going to make some big companies a whole lot of money and probably save our atmosphere in the process. So you want to tune in next week to hear that. In the meantime, I'm Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck. Good investing.